Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of K-Axis Wrestling Network. Today, we will be discussing the Greatest Royal Rumble, which took place on April the 27th, 2018. Okay, so let's get right to it. Alright, so the show began with the uh, national anthems for both Saudi Arabia and America, and then there was more prom promotional content for uh, the Greatest Royal Rumble. You know, and uh, from what I see, pretty much this was like another type of pay-per-view show. It was a follow-up to uh, what happened at like WrestleMania and what have you. All right, it was a very long show. It was like a five-hour show. It was very long, and that's longer than uh, the average WWE pay-per-view. Any pay-per-view, pretty much, that's not within the Big Four. You know, your Royal Rumble, your SummerSlam, your Survivor Series, your WrestleMania. You know. But anyway, let's uh, get into it. All right, so the show began with a match, you know, the first match. And they had ten matches, by the way. All right, so we're going to start with match number one, which was Triple H versus John Cena. And this is a match that's happened, like, a long time ago. I mean, it's happened before, you know what I'm saying? Like, I believe the last time that Triple H and John Cena actually went at it was about, what, nine years ago, I believe? And, um, okay, so let's get into that. So we had, you know, pretty much everything you could expect from a Triple H and John Cena match. Um, who would I root for in that match? Um, I would have to say John Cena. If it was like, let's say, maybe 10, 15 years ago, I would have said Triple H. I was a hardcore Triple H fan back then. You know, around those times, around, let's say, the, uh, the late 90s, early 2000s, I was a hardcore Triple H fan. But... You know, uh, this was before I was big into the, um, you know, the wrestling forums and all the online wrestling information sources and what have you that, that we have today. Um, and, you know, and then, you know, I started reading those, you know, like um, not too long ago. Like, uh, I see it was quite a few years ago. And, you know, once you read all these all this information about how these people really are in real life, um, you know, it kind of shapes your opinion on, you know, what you think of them as a person and what, you know, and whatnot. But, um you know, not to take away from anything that he does in the ring. What he does in the ring is pretty much great. You know, it's he hasn't really lost too many steps. You know, he might be a little bit slower than he used to be. You know, and that's due to age and, you know, body size, body mass, and all that kind of stuff. It affects your body as you age. But, um, you know, Triple H was a favorite of mine from, you know, in the past, I would say. You know, um, John Cena, on the other hand, I'm not a Cena head either. But at the same time, um, you know, this... You know, the current John Cena compared to the John Cena, you know, that was out there in his younger days, I would have to say that the current John Cena is a very much improved John Cena. Um, the kind of matches that he can pull off and the way he puts over younger stars, you know what I'm saying? He's been doing that a lot and he's been staying off the radar a lot as well, and which is also a good thing because, you know, WWE had just gotten to a point where, to, where you know, where they were just too overly saturated with John Cena, you know, where it was a point where I remember, like, he was winning, like, every match, and it was just, you know, nobody could ever beat him, and it was just, it was insane, you know, and it got to a point where it was just too annoying, you know, it's like all they knew was John Cena, John Cena, you know, but, um, like I said, I found a new respect for him, um, after he's changed, which I've noticed, uh, the first time I've noticed that change, I believe I mentioned this in a previous episode. Um, it was the Rock and John Cena match. I believe it was the second one they had. It was the one. Uh, it was one of those WrestleManias. It was the Rock versus John Cena. I believe, like I said, I believe it was the second one, and it was the match where they were both going technical. Like they both broke down to like technical wrestling, and it was like the first time I'd ever seen both guys do that in one match. You know, I mean, I've seen the Rock 
do some pretty amazing things before he had became a big time wrestler. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, in his younger days, back when he was Rocky Maivia, he was doing incredible things, incredible things. Um, you know, that rock versus, you know, the rock that became the WWF champion, uh, that was a whole different rock, you know. But at the same time, uh, not to get too off subject here, the rock and, uh, not the rock, but the Triple H and John Cena match from the Greatest Royal Rumble, um, it was decent. You know, it wasn't the best match I've ever seen, and it wasn't the worst. You know, so it was decent. It was what you would expect from a Triple H and John Cena match, like I said. And, uh, anyway, John Cena won. He went over in that match. Um, but he used two, uh, well, I'm about to call it the FU because that's what they used to call it. But it's the, um, attitude adjustment now is what they call it. Um, I know that they made that change a while back, but, you know, I still think of it as the FU. You know, that, that was his finish. But, of course, WWE had to clean it up. You know, they had to make it more kid-friendly, PG-friendly, because if he was going to be like a kid's hero, I mean, what sense would it make for him to do the uh, do a move that's called the FU? But at the same time, you can also factor in the argument, you know, um, why is he doing a move called the five-knuckle shuffle? And I shouldn't have to explain what that means, but it's not, let's say, child-friendly, kid-friendly. You know, it's not family friendly either when you really think about what it really means. But above and beyond that, um, John Cena went over um, via two finishing moves on Triple H. He did two in a row and he put Triple H away for the three count. And good enough, fair enough. You know what I'm saying? I mean, e either if either guy had won that match, it wouldn't have really done anybody any favors. You know what I'm saying? But still. Anyway, let's move along. Uh, to match number two, which consisted of Kalisto and Cedric Alexander, and uh, this was for the what was it the cruiserweight title I believe, and um, you know it was your cruiserweight high flying crazy move match, and um, you know I don't know if 205 is still off the ground yet. You know what I'm saying because I don't know if the fans are really accepting it you know, the way WWE originally expected them to. It's like when you take away a division for many years and then you suddenly reintroduce it, it's like, I don't know, everybody's not going to acclimate, you know, everybody's not going to acclimate to it. It's just going to be a situation where everybody's like, okay, why should we care about these guys? You know, like, who are these guys? You know, um, really, I think they should have just kept the, uh, the, the cruiserweight division that they had in the early 2000s. That one was good. They should have just kept it going from there, you know, because the cruiserweights had made such a huge impact on pro wrestling in the 90s that it's just, you know, and, that, and that's that's one of the main reasons why people were turning away from WWF and going to WCW because, you know, WCW had that unique factor. They had those guys coming in from Japan and Mexico and all around the world, you know, that were just introducing whole new styles into American wrestling, and it was just amazing, you know what I'm saying? Because you know when you tuned into Monday Nitro, you were going to see something entirely different than what you were seeing in WWF. I mean, you're going to see a lot of the same, you know, with the, uh, you know, with your standard guys, you know, but with these, uh, let's say, luchadors and these Japanese wrestlers from all over the world and stuff, like, you know you were going to be in for something different, something original, something was, you know, that was just off the hook, that was just off the chain. It was wild. You know, it, it was it was great. You know, it, it forced wrestling to change in a major way, 
And that's why the standard, that's why the bar is set so high today in pro wrestling. I mean, a lot of people complain about, you know, oh, they do too many flips and stunts and yada, yada, yada. But, hey, I mean, that started in the 90s, you know what I'm saying, with that cruiserweight, you know, with the wrestling, with the wrestlers that WCW brought in in the 90s, like, that's where I see it starting. That's where the bar was raised originally, you know, and I don't blame wrestlers for doing that kind of stuff. You know, your Seth Rollins and AJ Styles type of wrestlers, I think those guys, those guys are incredible because they put it all together. Like, they they can do it all. They are multifaceted wrestlers. You know, they have the high-flying, the brawling, um, the technical stuff, you know, you know your reversals. I mean, they, they can do it all. They can do the submissions. They can do the slams. They can do everything, you know, and that's what makes those two so great. But anyway, let's not get too far off subject here But because I was originally talking about the cruiserweight division. So let's continue where I left off. So Kalisto, Kalisto is a great wrestler. I think he's amazing. He's one of the best cruiserweight division uh, or let's say cruiserweight or TNA, he'd be X division. Um, Kalisto is awesome. He's incredible. I like what he does. Um, Cedric Alexander, he's pretty good, too. Um, thing is, let me see. Uh, in that match, Alexander went over with the... Uh, he did his lumbar check finish. And um, Alexander, he's, he's good. It's good that he won. But honestly, I was rooting for Kalisto. I'll be honest. Um, but anyway, let's move along to match number three. Where we had Bray Wyatt and Matt Hardy versus Sheamus and Cesaro for the Raw Tag Team Championships um, or the uh, Red Belts and in that match um, it was some good teamwork going there from what I remember you know it wasn't the greatest match and it wasn't the worst that's pretty much what I could say about it um, sum it all up um, you know Hardy and Wyatt went over you know they won the tag team titles within you know after that match you know they put it away they did what they had to do. They got the titles. They walked out victorious. And I guess that's pretty good. I mean, who knows where we're headed with this Hardy and Wyatt concept. It could be creative. It could be something really good. Um, it could be something really bad, depending on how WWE handles it. You know, WWE's creative team and their writers and what have you. And, you know, and honestly, like a lot of people say, that's one thing that I can't agree with is that the creative, you know, the creative team and the writing team for WWE have gotten really lazy over the years. And a lot of people say that's attributed to the fact that they hire these Hollywood writers, you know, these people who, you know, write movie scripts and stuff like that. Um, I honestly, I don't think that those guys are the best picks for, um, you know, writing for wrestling. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I can agree with that to an extent. You know, I mean, even though they do have writing experience, um, there's a lot of other people who have writing experience as well. There's people who write books. There's people who write essays. There, you know what I'm saying? There's a lot of different writers out there that, that they can choose, that they can experiment with. You know, um, honestly, I think they should choose somebody who, who's been following wrestling for their whole life and knows how the wrestling business works. You know, I think that should be the kind of people that they should hire for their writing and creative teams. But anyway, moving along... Um, the match, match number five, we had, um, the hold up, hold up, hold up, match number four. It was Jinder Mahal versus Jeff Hardy. And yes, um, somebody botched hard in that match. Actually, I believe it was Jinder uh, who botched really hard in that match when Jeff Hardy was going for the whisper in the wind. Um, it's like Jinder, he just, he took a bump. I don't know, it's like Hardy missed him and then he took a bump or something like that. It was just kind of a weird a weird botch going on there you know it was kind of funny i mean it i mean it was funny to the extent because because nobody really got hurt 
and that's the good you know that's the most important part but you know botches where people don't get hurt hurt or you know what i'm saying those ones are worth laughing at i mean i, I can laugh at those ones i mean I, I, you know you shouldn't feel any shame for laughing at those ones because you know everybody's going to mess up you know what I'm saying? But at the same time, it's all about how they get back up and put that match together and finish that match. That's what matters at the end of the day. So anyway, in that match, it's pretty much what you could expect from Jinder and Jeff. Um, it was the U.S. title match. Jeff Hardy wins. You know, he retained his belt. He beat Jinder Mahal with the Swanton Bomb, you know, his classic finisher. And um, anyway, let's move along here. Match number five, where we had the tag team titles on the line. Um... This would be the SmackDown titles, the blue titles. It was um, Harper and Rowan versus the Usos. Okay, and uh, the Bludgeon Brothers, they looked really strong in that match, as usual. They looked really, really strong. And it just got to a point where you just had to think, you know, um, the Bludgeon Brothers are probably going to win this match, you know, because they were looking strong, as I said. I mean, you could just see it. There was just no denying it. But um, anyway, uh, Rowan won the match with a double-team powerbomb. You know, uh, him and Harper had teamed up to powerbomb uh, one of the Usos. I can't remember which one it was, to be honest with you. Um, but that's how the match ended. So they retained the titles. Anyway, match number six, we had Seth Rollins versus Samoa Joe versus The Miz versus Finn Balor for the Intercontinental title. And um, in that match, um, it, was, it was pretty wild. I mean, I like the way that it ended. You had Finn Balor climbing the ladder. Seth Rollins springboards off the top rope and lands onto the ladder where he beats Balor to the belt. You know what I'm saying? He was like a second away from, you know, Balor was pretty much like a second away from grabbing that belt, and then Rollins just springboard onto the ladder and just snatched the title right in front of him. It was just wild. He had the belt right there. It was an amazing win. I'm really glad that Rollins won that because, honestly, I'm not a Balor fan. I'll be honest with you. You know, I just I don't see what all the hype's about. Anyway... It was a great finish. I'm glad that Rollins won. I felt I feel like the right man won that match. And and then we had a segment where there was a uh, four Saudi Arabian tryouts, um, aka aspiring wrestlers. And then Davari had came back, the old Davari. Then he came back with the younger one. So um, they both came out together, ra waving the Iranian flag, which is a huge, huge no-no in uh, Saudi Arabia. Um, I don't even know. Uh, I guess um, I would have to assume that WWE had a talk with the crowd before the show started because, I mean, you know, d walking into Saudi Arabia waving an, an Iranian flag is just, wow, that seems like a big no-no move right there, something that you just don't do because it's even been said that um, Davari, I believe the younger one, has been receiving death threats after that whole ordeal you know and it just pretty much you know and, and the whole thing is it's entertainment but i understand i mean certain countries perceive things in different ways and there's just some certain things that you know everyday people don't see as disrespectful that people in other countries see as reasons to take your life you know that's just how the world works you know but honestly i don't think wwe should have taking the risk of like doing you know pulling a stunt like that because they could have gotten somebody hurt i mean because what would have stopped that entire crowd from just rushing the barricade and just going into that ring and attacking the davari brothers like what would have stopped them nothing would have been able to stop them you know you're talking thousands of people in one building 
they could have easily went over that barricade and, and just rushed the ring and just you know destroyed the Davari brothers and nobody would have nobody would have been able to do anything about it you know and that's just the truth I don't think they should have taken that risk to be completely honest but anyway moving along uh, match number seven we had the WWE title match which consisted of AJ Styles versus Nakamura again um, honestly I'm getting tired of this match I'm tired of seeing it happen I'm tired of Nakamura getting endless title shots for free you know, endless WWE title shots at that. You know, like, why doesn't he have to work his way up like a lot of the other wrestlers did? Why doesn't he have to win the tag team belts first? Why doesn't he, why doesn't he have to win the Intercontinental or the U.S. title first? You know, for a guy that does, you know, let's say 95% kicks and knees during the course of a match, why does he get so many free title shots? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's been like, what, a, maybe a year maybe less than a year at this point this is going to be like coming into this Sunday because today is the 2nd of May and we are pretty close to going into Backlash and it's going to be the same match at AJ Styles versus Nakamura again for the WWE title except this time it's going to be a no disqualification match and this gives Nakamura an even, even bigger advantage because that means he can just pretty much you know, repeat what he's been doing week after week at this point is he could just keep on low blowing AJ Styles and just put him away with a finish, you know, or somebody could just run in and, you know, beat the crap out of AJ Styles and Nakamura capitalizes on it. And I'm pretty sure that's what they're going to do. And when it happens, I'm going to say, yep, you know, because I'm putting it out there right now, making my prediction right now, it's going to happen because, you know, not to jump too far ahead here, but I have to because it's been so many days since the Greatest Royal Rumble happened. I'm kind of behind on doing this episode. But anyway, um, Samoa Joe had confronted AJ Styles on SmackDown, okay? And the thing is, I feel like he's going to play a role in AJ Styles losing to Nakamura. And this is going to be bad because, I don't know, I just don't like this concept. I don't like this idea. I don't think he should be getting so many WWE title shots because who else would be getting so many WWE title shots? You know, in the course of a year, this one is going to be his fifth. His fifth WWE title shot in a year or less. Because honestly, I feel like it's been a little bit less than a year because he got two shots against Jinder Mahal last year. Okay. He lost both of those and then he wins the Royal Rumble and then they just book him to... Wrestle AJ Styles for the WWE title at WrestleMania 34, and then he loses that match, and that's when he turns heel. And then he gets another shot at AJ Styles at the Greatest Royal Rumble, which was just what, not even a month after WrestleMania. You know what I'm saying? He's already gotten another title shot, and he failed against that. Because, uh, let me see, that match ended uh, in a double countout, by the way, but nonetheless, Nakamura did not win. So, even after that, we got Backlash coming up, which is like less than two weeks away from the Greatest Royal Rumble, and he's already getting another WWE title shot. And it's like, what is going on here? You know, this is going to be Nakamura's third title shot in like five months. No, not even that. Not even that, because he got his first one this year at WrestleMania. So you're talking three title shots in the course of what less than a month less than a month because his his first one for this year was at Wrestlemania second one greatest royal rumble so Wrestlemania was on the 8th 
of April. Okay, Greatest Royal Rumble was the 27th of April. So that was less than a month. You're already talking two title shots within that small time frame. And then Backlash is like, it's coming up on Sunday. Um, but the thing is, let me see, let's, let's think back for a minute here. Okay, so uh, Backlash is coming up in a matter of days now. You know, and we're just out of the Greatest Royal Rumble. And he's already in line for another WWE title shot. So I guess this time they're just going to put the belt on him because now they have every excuse to do it. Because he's a heel, he has somebody who can potentially help him win, and there's no rules in the match. So anything goes. He can do whatever he wants to get the win over AJ Styles. And this time they're going to do it. They're going to they're gonna pull the trigger this time. I know it. I can just feel it. You know? I've been watching wrestling long enough to where I can just make predictions, you know, really good predictions that mostly end up being true. Because once you figure out Vince McMahon's formula, you know, things just become more predictable. You know, it's just that simple. But anyway, let's move along here. I've been talking about this for quite a while. Um, the match ended in... Hold on a minute, please. Okay, so I left off on the discussion about um, AJ Styles versus Nakamura. Okay. And why he's getting so many free title shots, one after the other. You know, this is going to be, he's going into his third one for this year, and the fifth one total in the course of just under a year or about a year or so. Alright, anyway. So I believe I discussed that enough just now. Alright, so now let's move along into match number eight. Where we had Undertaker versus Rusev in the casket match. And of course, I, I had a feeling they were going to make it like Undertaker had to struggle to win that one. You know, even though he had just squashed the John Cena at WrestleMania, but he has to struggle to beat Rusev. You know, I mean, who didn't know? I mean, I knew that Undertaker was going to win, but, I, you know, to make him struggle against Rusev when he smoked John Cena, you know, less than a month ago. Is just kind of silly, you know. It wasn't a great match at all, you know, point blank. But of course, Undertaker won that. Um, he put both Aiden English and Rusev in the casket and shut the lid. That's how the match ended. All right, so then we had match number nine, which was Lesnar versus Reigns in the cage match for the Universal title, um, which I think is a joke, by the way. Um, which I'm glad Lesnar actually has that belt instead of the WWE belt. But anyway. Um, let me see, that match was nothing special either. You know, it was just another repeat of Lesnar versus Reigns, which was never really special in the first place, um, at least in my opinion. But, um, I don't know, it was just a lot of chaos and all that. You know, you, you can't expect a technical wrestling match out of, out of those two. So, um, you know, the match ended with uh, Reigns spearing Lesnar through the cage, and then there was the controversy about who hit the floor first. Um, some people say that Reigns hit the floor first because his feet hit, and then they say Lesnar hit the fl floor first because he technically hit the floor first after being speared through the side of the cage, where you also saw the little cheap zip ties flying off because obviously the cage was set, you know, for that part to come off, you know, but um, anyway, that's pretty much the end of that. Uh, that's all I really have to say about that match because I don't believe it was anything special in the first place. 
and it was obvious that Lesnar wasn't going to lose because for some reason they believed that keeping the belt on Lesnar until he supposedly beats CM Punk's uh, 400 was it 434 day streak with the WWE title, which is honestly a whole different belt, and it's not linked to the Universal belt whatsoever. So I don't understand what they're trying to do there. I mean, I guess just so they can say that he's the longest reigning. WWE champion of this era or, or the longest reigning champion of this era or, or something of that nature. They just want to, you know, put another notch in Lesnar's belt and fine, go ahead and do it. I don't care, you know. Anyway, then we had the 50-man Royal Rumble, which consisted of many different wrestlers. Um, some past, some present. Um, some might even be the future. Um, we had, of course, Rey Mysterio came back. Um, let me see. Some point, yeah, Great Khali had came back as well. Um, a couple others too. I believe it was Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho came there, and um, I know I'm gonna forget some people, so you know, remind me if you would. Um, and then, honestly, I mean, I can't even really think of that because, like, honestly, the biggest moment of that show and that match was Titus O'Neil slipping, running down to the ring, you know, during that match to make his entrance but he slipped somewhere after getting past the ramp and just slid underneath the ring you know that was just like one of the biggest botches of all time and it's now pretty much viral on the internet it's still going um it's already been many days after the greatest royal rumble let me see it's been let me see it's been it was on the 27th all right Okay, so it's been it's been five days ago. So yeah, I'm I'm way behind on doing this. I'll admit it. You know, I'm not always going to be up to date on the latest and greatest info. You know, because I'm not trying to compete with anybody at this point because I'm still new. Um, anyway, like I was saying, like the highlight of the show has been put on the Titus O'Neil botch. So anyway, uh, that's about all I have to say about the Greatest Royal Rumble. I believe that this episode has gone on long enough, and it's time to move on um if you want to support the show just follow me on social media on twitter instagram on uh youtube on let me see what other platform because <laughs> there's so damn many facebook um you know donate like subscribe follow whatever you want to do to support the show all right so anyway folks uh, i am your host k axis for k axis wrestling network i am signing off you guys have a good one